You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Hey guys, and welcome to the latest Testudo Times Outtakes Podcast. I'm your host, Lila Bromberg, here with Matt Levine and Jordan Gold. And today we're joined by one of the Maryland basketball greats. We're joined by Gravis Vasquez. What's going on? Good. Everything is good. Thank you for having me here. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Uh, missing my, my Terps, missing my family in Maryland. So thank you for having me here. Yeah, we're excited to, you know, talk about your career, both, you know, in high school at Maryland and the NBA. So I guess we'll just kind of get started with the beginning of it. You know, you were born in Venezuela. You've talked a lot over years about, um, about that experience for you, you know, moving over to the U.S. when you were a teenager you know, what went into that decision to come over for you? And, you know, how tough of a transition was that? Well, it was a dream of mine uh, going to college. Uh, at that time, I came here to the United States. I was, uh, it was, I think, September 25th of 2004. I remember because my mother's birthday is on September 25th. So that was a tough day in, in our family because I had to, my mom and dad got divorced. So I had to leave uh, Venezuela and come to the United States. Um, I remember landing in uh, in D.C., Reagan Airport, and Coach David Atkins, my high school coach, he was the um, assistant coach for Stu Vetter, uh, picked me up from the airport. And then it was, ever since then, my life completely changed. You know, I, I grew up uh, in a different different culture, different language, and, and leaving my family was, was extremely tough. But the dream of, of mine was, making it to college and eventually making it to, to the NBA. So I was on a mission. Um, as a young kid, uh, I was pretty much secure of what I, what I wanted. I uh, wasn't really wasting, wasting any time or trying to play games around. I, I was really, really focused. So when I got to Montrose Christian School and Stu Vetter, is like my stepfather right nowadays. I love uh, Coach Vetter. He's, he's a great, great, great man, and I love the whole Montrose Christian school family, they really supported me. So imagine a kid from Venezuela that couldn't speak any English and couldn't and didn't know anything about the culture, but only McDonald's, NBA, and, and NFL and, and college. So it was an extremely tough uh, transition for me. But Coach Vetter, David Atkins, and, and and everyone in Montrose made it really, really good, made it easy for me to make that transition and, and, and become a, a regular uh, guy, a regular student. So because I, at the time, and even now, you have to get good grades and, and do well school in order for you to actually play uh, on the basketball team. So and when I got there, Stu, Coach Vetter thought that I was 6'11". I ended up being 6'5", six, 6'4", six, at that time. And he was like, I thought you were a center. What are you doing here? So... He couldn't really take me back, and, and uh, I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm 6'4". It's really, really skinny, 6'5". And uh, my life completely changed. Imagine, I got to Montrose with uh, M1 shoes. I have one pair of M1 shoes when M1 was a brand back in those days. And uh, I couldn't really afford Jordans back home. So I'm going to Montrose, and I see who is sponsoring Montrose, and I'm like, no, nah, this, this is not true. It, it was Jordan. 
the brand. So imagine wearing Jordan through my high school career. I only played two years in high school. And growing up, it was really hard for me to afford my family to buy me shoes, Jordan shoes. So it was a lot of, it was a lot of different things in my mind going through because uh, I went through a lot. Uh, first of all, you know, the language barrier is tough. Even your do, do classmates, your teammates, sometimes they make fun of you. Uh, they don't really establish conversation with you because they, they know you don't understand. So it was kind of rude, but, but I, uh, I was a tough kid. Like I said at the beginning, I, I knew I was, I, I came here for a mission. I wasn't trying to make friends or, or you know, uh, become someone that I, they, it wasn't really in my plan all my plans so uh it was it was it was a tremendous experience my junior year in high school uh wasn't really playing that much i was already the best player excuse me in venezuela at that age i was like 16 years old at that time and i was really bowling i, I was really doing well with my national team uh i was the best player in caracas and, and the whole country at that age and I got to be able to have this scholarship to go to Montrose, and I took it, and, and it changed my life ever since because my senior year, then KD transferred from Oakville Hill to Montrose, and then everything began with, like, my family, my mom and dad getting divorced in Venezuela, uh, hoping that I get a scholarship to come to the United States, and I got my I-20, which is the visa to be here in the United States as a student, and then all of a sudden, like, I go to a high school that is sponsored by Jordan, and I couldn't really afford per, paying for a pair of one of those shoes. And then I had a great junior year and a senior year. And when I get in, getting acclimated to the whole system, KD transferred to Montrose. Imagine that. So I, by that time, I was I was really upcoming and doing really really well. That I, that I was, it was KD. We had a great team. We had Taishiro, Ben Thomas. Uh, we have I understand really outstanding to Adrian Bowie ended up playing with, with me in Maryland. So my life was, I was living a dream. A kid that I was, it was in Caracas where everyone played baseball, no one plays basketball. All of a sudden it's like too close at, at, at the highest level in basketball, high school basketball. So it was a tremendous experience. And our senior year was, you know, something that no one can take away from me. I graduated from high school with Kevin Durant and, and Adrian Bowie and Tai Shido, uh, Darren Bowie and all, all my all my teammates in high school and my classmates. That was that was a tremendous. Uh, <laughs> that was unbelievable to me. I'm never gonna forget that. I'm, I, to to up to these days, I'm I'm thankful, and I can never pay that back because they did so much and and they helped me so much to to become who I am now in Miami. Imagine that. I'm still living the dream in Miami, living with my family. And and doing things that I that I always dream about doing. So you mentioned playing with Kevin Durant, and I'm sure that was that was pretty crazy with how big his recruitment was. Uh, what was it like playing alongside Kevin Durant? And are you guys still close to this day? It was it was it was a great experience, man. KD was a young kid at that time, and I met his family, his mom, his dad, uh, his brothers, and. You know, everyone that was around him was was uh, really humble people. People that needed to work each and every day to afford transportation, food, and, and normal people. 
you know, like like I grew up as well. Like my family was, uh, we couldn't really afford what we, we can afford now. You know, obviously the guy gave us the talent and, and, and that, not everyone has that. So uh, to me, everything that KB has, he earned it. He deserved it. He worked hard. Great guy. We still have a relationship. We respect each other. Like I say, no, no, no one is gonna take away that that time where we spent it together. We we fought together. We we competed together. We 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 you know we cuss each other in practice. We we fight each other each other in practice. We got better. We, and guess what happened at the end? He is who he is, and I became an NBA player. And 90% of the players in the NBA are role players. It's only five, six super, superstars. Everyone else is a role player making millions of dollars. So KD was a tremendous thing for me because he had all the attention, all the media, all the colleges, everything. And all of a sudden, I'm the second best player on the team. So I was getting some love without asking for any love. So it, it was it was it was really cool going through the whole experience. Nike sending in shoes and trying to recruit him. A lot of media, everyone on our games. He was full house every game, packed. Everyone wanted to see us, and and I just needed that because I came from the hood back home, basically trying to trying to make a name of myself, and then. Playing with KD, getting all that attention that he was getting, it was kind of helping me to to you know to grow my name. So we'll transition into your career at Maryland. Obviously, you had a lot of great moments, and I'm sure you have a lot of memories. But if you have to hone it down to just one favorite memory at Maryland, what would that be for you? So many, man. Best four years of my life. Uh, I I still get emotional. I'm so involved with, with the school and 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 uh, that really. High school was unbelievable. College was something remarkable. Uh, to this day, I, I still like. I want to get back. I, I want to be back. I want somehow like if I I, I want to still play. I want to still recovering and all that, but. Maryland, when you when you men, mentioned Maryland, the University of Maryland, it's, it's my heart. It's, it's everything. Uh, I can't thank them enough. Like Gary, everyone, the students when I was there, the, the fans, and and memories, so many. Many, many great games, many, many battles, many, many different experiences that I that I that I I had to, you know, to live. And the the one that I just got out of my like through my head right now. I remember one game, one practice. We finished a game, and I was shooting the ball. I was I was hectic. I know, but I, I, it wasn't that I didn't care. I just I was so I'm I'm still passionate. I love what I do. I'm passionate. I'm respectful. I'm professional. So coming from a different culture, I think at the end we connected just because they, they, you guys got to know me. You, you knew my intentions were to represent the school at the highest level. It wasn't never to to make make fun of somebody or bully anyone. No, I, I, I was embracing Maryland. Like Gary, Gary to this day is a guy that I die for. Gary Williams. Um, so I remember one, one, one game I shot the ball a lot. I wanted to win and I shot the ball a lot. So I'm talking to Gary. Uh, Gary is the most mellow person that I ever met. Like people think, oh, he's cussing people out, sweating in and out. Hey, Gary is the coolest coach. Uh, he his knowledge and everything for the game is unbelievable. Hall of Famer, uh, we miss him. Uh, it was hard when he left, but um, in practice the next day he goes, "Graves, I think he shot the ball too much," and I took it personal. 
you know, and we, and we had that relationship. Uh, we, we spoke many times. Like he, and then he goes like, "I think you should be able to facilitate more because you you you're a passer. You you can make people around you better. You gotta build confidence." So he said that, and obviously I was yes, sir. I, I never did respect my coach or anything like. Like I said, I go any battle, I go with him, and I die for him. And I say yes, sir. Yeah, you know, and 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 I'm competitive. So I'm going inside me inside my head like. What the, what the flip, you know, he, he, he telling me not to shoot. Like, if I don't shoot, we're not going to win. So then I go to one of the assistant coaches, and he was my player development coach, which is Rob Eason. So I go to Rob. I was like, Rob, why is he telling me that? So Rob was more, you know, di- direct. He was like, hey, he's right. You're shooting the ball too much, and, and I don't think you, you're doing a good job helping your teammate. So the following game, I think it was against Clemson, I don't remember what what, uh, what team we play against. I didn't take one. I didn't take one shot, and I think I recorded most assists in one game or, or second. I don't know. Steve Blake was first, and I was second. I don't know. I had 17 assists, right? We're going to halftime. He, you know, we had talk and everything. Then we gotta come out to to warm up. He was like, "Here, stop." He stopped me. He was like, "Hey, Gravy, stop." Hey. So he was like, he kind of cussed me out. He was like, I want you to shoot, so you know. I was like, oh, but you told me in practice you don't want me to shoot. So we winning by 20. I got 10 assists. I, got already, I already got 20 points, you know, without scoring. So that's unbelievable. So I was trying to be a smart ass with him. So he started laughing. We had a great game. We ended up winning the game. And I had a double-double. But I only took, like, five shots or three shots, something like that, five shots. And, uh, and then after the game, he was like, you can't be like that. You need to be more mature. He, he gave it to me because he thought I was um, front, fronting him and, and what, what he was telling me. But it was never like that. It was like I, I was really competitive. I'm like, oh, you don't want me to shoot? Well, I'm going to be the best passer that you ever had in, in your whole coaching career. So that, I went out there and got 17 assists. And and, and, and I remember that and always stuck in my head just because, yes, we, we be in North Carolina. UNC being the number one team in the whole nation, and we beat them. We beat them at the Dean Smith. Uh, my, I think my sophomore year, we beat Duke many times. We were the last team beating Duke when they won the championship. Uh, I really never had a, 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 a legit center. Our center was Dave Meal, and then Jordan Williams at the end. Uh, my senior year came in and see what happened. So I love our team. I love the personnel. And we got better each and every year. And I got better with the team. And the team got better with me. And I think we all got better. Uh, and excuse me. And that's what, to me, that's what it's all about. So that's one of the memories that come to me because Gary was so crucial and, 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 and he made a tremendous impact in my, in my career and in my life as a, as a normal human being. And you were really well known for, you know, your passion, enthusiasm and emotion on the court. You know, why was it important to you to just, you know, be your authentic self and not really hold that back, especially, you know, at the beginning of your career where maybe people didn't understand it as much? Imagine in, that, in nowadays, now everyone is like, wow, yeah, you got to express yourself. You got to be yourself. Back in those days, it was it was kind of hard to to you know express yourself. People were like, no, 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 that's not normal. You can't be doing that. And nowadays, I was preaching that when I was when I was in high school. Like, it's great to be yourself. I don't care who you like. It's great to be you. It's great to be each and every one of you. Like, you don't have to change who you are to please anyone. 
you know, as long as I, as you're respectful and professional and, and understand how to, how to treat people and human, I think you can accomplish a lot of things. And I, back in those days, I was really judged by the way I played, the way I expressed my emotions and all that. But I, just, I would just be in myself. And like I say, I never, I, I was never trying to disrespect anyone. I just came up through a, a, through a different culture. So it's, it was hard to adjust to something that I, I wasn't used to it. So I had to, and now they, they see me now as, a, as an American, and rightfully so. Like, I feel American. I'm Americanized now. I, you know, I have 17 years in this country. I went to high school here. I went to college here. I'm playing the NBA. still worked in basketball. But at that time, I wasn't, I was not trying to be no one else but Gravis Vasquez. And at, at, at the end of the day, the, the results the, the results were there. I mean, I, I had success. And I, and, and I, and, and I stuck with my personality, with my work ethic, with, with, with my my professionalism. My, I, I got my diploma. I graduated. Nobody did my homework for me. Nobody went to class for me. I did it myself, obviously, with the support system that the University of Berlin has and, and the athletics department and all that. So um, it, I just... I just it's great to be me. It's great to be you guys. I don't think I needed to change anything. And to me, that's that's the biggest message to the youth in nowadays. Uh, hey, be yourself. Believe in yourself. No matter what, bet on yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. And, and later on, that was the major key to be in the NBA. If you hang out, if you hang, hang around NBA players, they all charge. They all think they're the best. They all think they, they, they you know, sometimes like, wow, what? No, you have to think like that. I call it like, and I don't want to cuss, but you have to be a motherfucker. You have to be crazy. You have to be, uh, hey, you, you have to, you have boundaries. I mean, imagine one night competing against Chris Paul. What you going to tell Chris Paul? No, Chris Paul, just go slow and soft. Don't, don't go too hard on me. Westbrook. Imagine guarding Westbrook. You know, you you have to be yourself and believe in yourself in order, in order to succeed and, and have success in everything you do in life. So I would just be in myself. And you became well-known for your shimmy move. How did that become a thing? Was it just like an in-the-moment thing you came up with? In the moment, yes. Well, I grew up watching the guy. Uh, his name is Armando Becker. He used to play for our national team back in 92. Venezuela plays, played against played against the dream team in Barcelona to go to the finals. We played in the semifinals against, mm-hmm. against the dream. Imagine that. So it was a guy, that guy was a rookie at the time, but I grew up watching the professional league in Venezuela. So I watched a lot of basketball. I'm, 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 I'm a fan. I love the game. I study the game. I've always been. So this guy, Armando Weka, every time that he made a great play, he started doing the shimmy. So when he started doing the shimmy, then, then imagine playing in, in, at that time the Comcast Center and, and 18,000 18, people there, a lot of students and a lot of people. And you like the adrenaline and everything. I was just showing my personality, like, like, like just came out of nowhere in the moment. Like it, it was unbelievable fun, even though at times people were like questioning me, like, why is it like, you gotta be respect, like, respect again. I, I always respected the game and I always, uh, I was always, even in college, I was professional. Like, and I, I wasn't trying to like, bully anyone but i wanted to enjoy playing the game and I, that's what i did and at the end like i said we connected because they, they they got you guys got to know me a little better so for me and for a lot of maryland fans i think that your matchups against duke and in particular your senior year when you guys beat duke when they were number four on your senior night i think that that's 
what stands out for a lot of Terp fans. What did that Duke rivalry mean to you? Oh, it meant a lot. Uh, I got a lot of respect for Duke and Coach K. I ended up playing against Coach K a couple times, a couple more times with, with our national teams and then the dream team and the U.S. team and all that. So, you know, I think if you if you want to be an NBA player, you got to be in the United States. If you want to be a soccer player like my son, I don't know where he wants to be a soccer player, but he wants to be uh, un futbolista in Spanish. So you got to go to Europe. I think the best soccer is, is in Europe. So if you want to play against the best at that time, the ACC was the best and competing against Duke and, and UNC and and those those two schools in particular that's it was a lot of it was a lot of media with a lot of tv it was an opportunity like people were gonna watch you scouts uh, everyone so i'm not i'm not underestimating the rest of the school but that was a particular thing and you and you guys know like you want to play against you because you kind of hate them you don't hate them but you they they created they created this this movie like not nah, Duke, they, well, they, they, we just hate them. We just gotta, you know, we gotta beat them. And then, and, and the, the whole atmosphere uh, create, it was created to, you know, to compete at the highest level. And, and it was always a, a national TV game. And, and to me, that, that was the time, man. Like I say, I was a kid from Caracas. Yeah, I just needed a little, a, a little branch, a little space for me to go in and and, and go out there and do my and, and do my job and and show the world that I was capable to play against the best talent uh, in, in whole in the whole college basketball, in all college all college basketball. And then you obviously mentioned the ACC being such a tough conference, so competitive, and all those great players to come out of there, but. Specifically, you averaging nearly 20 points in that last season at Maryland, and you won the ACC Player of the Year that year in 2009, 2010. So, what did just winning that award with so many guys going, you're going up against? What did that mean to you? Man, it's, it's a blessing. Uh, now that I know so much about basketball here in the United States, in college basketball, high school, and at that time, like I said, I have no idea. I was in the moment. Imagine in high school, a good memory, we play Oak Hill Hill and, and um, Montrose Christian. We play in D.C. To me, it was the best high, high school game ever that we, that we played or been played in, in D.C. And I, I, I was struggling with my English t- still. And then I told Coach Bettis, like, hey, I have to guard Ty, Ty Lawson. Yo, defense. <laughs> so it was funny that... Uh, I didn't know who Ty Lawson was. I didn't know uh, Jeff Allen at the time and Nolan Smith and, and Michael Bisley. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I, I don't give a crap. I, I just want to go out there and compete. And, and that was my, my mentality. And it still is. Like, I don't care who you are. And then, then later on, then I play against the Dream Team and Kobe, my idol, and we're missing. And, and this is so bad that we had well, everything that happened to him and his family and, and the rest of the people that was uh, there too. And then they don't play against Kobe, and Kobe said in a um, in a press conference that he was going to guard the best players of the opposite national team opponents. So the first game was against Venezuela. He started guarding me, so I, I was not afraid. I wanted to compete. I don't care who you are. I'm going. I'm like this is my money too. Like I, I, I I'm going after you. And it was Kobe Bryant, and, and and a lot of young players, and a lot of people think that be strong. Like you have to, yeah, you have to admire them and respect who they are because they're somebody very important. But 
if you in that moment, you have to compete. You have to show the world that you're actually capable to compete and to do great things too. Like they, they, everyone have two hands, two feet. So like, you don't, they're not, they're not really monsters or anyone that we can really do anything. So, uh, playing to me was always about competing against the the best of the best and playing against uh, those those players in in the ACC and winning the ACC Player of the Year to me was a tremendous blessing. Not only that, imagine I ended up winning the Bob Cousy Award, being the best point guard in the whole nation, which doesn't make sense because you win the whole point guard and then and then later on the NBA is different, totally different game and draft the number one pick in the draft. 2010 was John Wall. So you win the best. I, I ended up winning the best. Uh, point guard, Bob Cousier, in the whole college basketball level, uh, it says a lot about my whole career in Maryland and, and my coaches and and everyone and the whole support system that I have. So uh, it was a blessing, man. I, I I I still can't believe everything that I accomplished, but I do in a way because I, I worked so hard and I'm still prepared to to go to battle and 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 I I pre- like I believe in preparation. You have to prepare yourself, and that's why I learned from Gary, being, you know, not having knowledge of the game and preparing yourself to to do whatever you want in life. You have to prepare. You have to get ready and be ready. And I'll say it, I say it again: be ready. No, don't get ready. Be ready. And you know, you get drafted, and you're the first Venezuelan player drafted in the league. And then, you know, during the 2012-13 season, you led the NBA with seven, 704 total assists and also averaged 13.9 points per game. You know, growing up, you know, in Venezuela, is that while that, you know, basketball was always your goal and something that you focus on, did you ever imagine that, you know, something like that was possible to reach that level? Like I say, I, I, I mean, imagine talking to your own self. Uh, and I was that kid talking to my own self and saying, "Bro, imagine if you if you made the last shot. It's five, four, three, two, one, and you and you made that last shot in college or NBA, and all of a sudden everything, you know, I was dreaming, and all of a sudden my, I wake up and and I'm going through the whole dream. So everything that I did in Maryland and everything that I did in, in, in college and high school, even right now in the NBA, uh, like it was all hard work. I can't, I can't now give you any other formula like that. That was hard work. Like I was like you guys, uh, uh, like I was trying to get an opportunity, but, but a lot of young players, they think a lot of humans, they, they just think like the, the opportunities, they're just going to come to them. No. I was searching for an app. I was out there searching for an opportunity. I wanted to, even even during my draft workouts, I was always searching for Drew Holiday, Ty Lawson, but they didn't want to compete against me because I already knew everyone knew they were gonna get they were gonna be a high pick. But if I was able to compete against them, then I was gonna have more value, or no more value, but I, I was gonna I was gonna have more value myself. So co- coaches and scouts in the NBA, they were they, they were gonna say like, if this kid can play against these these players, then he's a legit NBA player. So I have to earn it. I, I went through the whole draft training, having thirty different job interviews with thirty different teams. So you're talking about 
you know, ACC Player of the Year, Bocuse Award, and oh, and my my jersey retired in Maryland. Like it was a lot of nights that a lot of people went out, but I was in the gym working out. I, I wake up a lot of mornings. I went to, uh, I was jogging to the Martha because David Atkins then switched to uh, to the Martha High School. He was he was one of the assistant coaches. He used to work me out. So because I didn't have a car, I had to jog, and that was my warm up to go to the Martha and come back walking from the Martha to 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 campus. So that was every morning, you know, the last two, three years, the last two years in college. Then sometimes he came to Maryland. Then he got the job in Maryland as an assistant coach with the girls, with the female team. And and, and then I was able to work out with him. So I was always trying to get better. I wasn't just, you know, a, an average player. No, and I was. If you see, I, 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 how many times did I dunk in college? Like twice, mm-hmm. once, I don't know. So I, I have to upgrade myself, I upgrade my game and get better. So I, I did a lot of work. I still do a lot of work. I'm, try, I'm trying to recover from an injury that I haven't played now almost three years. And I still see myself as an NBA player. And then a lot of people see me as a coach. And I can, yes, I love it. I'm a point guard. Of course, I, I, I'm going to have a voice. Players are going to listen to me. And I play in the NBA. I compete against the best of the best. And if I wouldn't have this injury, I wouldn't be playing right now and play, what, 12 to 15 years because my game always been solid. I wasn't trying to be no one that I, that I that it, that it wasn't myself. So everything that I accomplished, it was just hard work, sacrifice. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was to me, it was a movie. And I believe in my movie. Like, I, I'm not a Steven Spielberg. But I direct my movie, and it worked pretty good. So uh, I think if you work hard and you sacrifice and you be disciplined, things will work out for you. So looking back on your NBA career, would you say that you have a favorite uh, game memory? Well, um, favorite game memory when I when uh, when I got to the NBA, you know, being the best player in college. On our school, and you get to the NBA, you're a rookie, Lionel Holmes. You go in the mornings, you have to be like three and a half hours before practice, and you go say good morning, and the head coach don't even say good morning back. He don't even look at rookies. And, and I'm like, what? You must don't read the Washington Post or, you know, or the Diamondback paper because I'm, I'm somebody, you know? <laughs> so I was, I was still trying to, like, that, that transition was hard. So I remember one day working out with um, uh, Coach Mighty Mouth, uh, lefty, uh, point guard from Portland. Let's see if you guys know. Uh, small, he was drafted by Toronto. David Stoudemire? Yes, Stoudemire. Coach Stoudemire. So David. And 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 he was my he was my player development coach. So one time the whole front office was watching a workout of mine. Um, that day we had a game. That was in, that was shoot around. After shoot around, the rookies had to work out. So I had to go get some work because I wasn't playing that much. And, but I was always searching for an opportunity. <laughs> I was always looking and and and, and making a, even making eye contact with the coaches. I wasn't gonna give up that easy. So then he was working me out, playing him. I was playing him one on one, and the whole front office was there. Then after my workout, they called me. Was like, I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you because you haven't been playing. So we're gonna send you to a G League. Uh, at that time, was the was the the G League? That there was another name. The D League. The D League. Yeah, before Gatorade took over with a sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, then the G League now. 
So, and, and they broke my heart in a way, because like, why are you sending me there? Like, I'm not good enough to be in the NBA. So, because I was always searching for an opportunity. I go back to my place and I, and I was with my friend, Luis Bordon, which is, he's from Maryland. He was helping me out with my whole beginnings in, in, in the NBA. And I say, bro, uh, you're gonna have to stay here because uh, they're gonna send me to uh, to the D League, and, and and I'm gonna be there for for a little while. So that night we play against Boston. That night they told me that because I was shooting around. So I go to the game, we get there early, do my regular routine workout and all that stuff. So I got I got to wear uniform. Uh, so I was listed on the roster, the active player, and all of a sudden the the my colleague got in foul trouble. So I don't know where because I was ready. I wasn't trying to get ready. I was ready. Line on Holland didn't have any other more options but to put me in the game. And we were down by seven or eight against the Boston Celtics, the big three. So I come in uh, and I changed the whole dynamic of the game. We went to overtime. We ended up winning the game with me finishing the game. And from there, guys, my career changed. Like, Never went back to, never went to the G League. Uh, I became a solid point guard. I couldn't be, able, I was able to even come off the bench. Like, oh, here's a backup. I was absolutely fine because I knew I was able to start for any team at, a, at a, any given point. Now, like, I do think like a coach because you always have to gain coach trust. No, the, the coaches doesn't have, they don't have to trust the players. Players have to gain trust from the coaches. So I was like, I have to, I have to please my, my coaches. So all I, all I got to do is just be solid. So what are they thinking when their superstar or their starting point guard is not playing or going through an injury? So he goes, can I trust Travis to start? Or we need to make a trade or bring another player or, or, or find another backup. Now, I always made coaches believe that if any starting point guard wasn't, wasn't able to play, I was there to play and to perform and to win basketball games. So that's why I was always playing minutes. I averaged, what, 25 to 28 minutes a game. And, and I won games in the playoff and I don't I, I competed at the highest level. So to me, that, that was that was. All about, I'm, I was all about, I'm still all about competing and, and, and making the right decisions, even on and off the course. So the coaches can actually trust me, and they did, and I was be able to perform. You played for the Milwaukee Bucks uh, back in 2015 and 2016, the second year of Giannis Antetokounmpo's career. And just kind of, give your first initial impression of him and did you really see him panning out to being this MVP talent that he is today? Totally, totally. I, I, I think uh, Jonas is uh, he's going to be the face of the NBA, uh, super talented player. And and the, and the great thing about great players in nowadays or even in the whole history of sports, they work hard, man. Uh, I think he works hard. He's he's professional. He's very mature. He comes from another country, too. So that give him a, like an edge to like, okay, uh, I'm not I'm not really American, but I am. So I have to prove myself each and every day. And, and I, I think he handles himself the right way. And and to me, um, it's not in no time he'll be the face of the NBA. MVP. Imagine winning the MVP. That's that's remarkable right there. So uh, 
uh, I always knew he was going to be as good as he is, and I think it's just the beginning. I, I think he hasn't really got to the to the peak of his career, so he's going to continue to get better. At some point, uh, he got to realize that he have to do a little bit more to win an NBA championship. He have to be a killer. If you watch the last dance, it was Jordan and and and, and the previous and previous players that won it, even LeBron. They that mentality that had to do not a little more, uh, a lot more to win. That's what it takes. And it goes from the off season all the way to the NBA Finals. So I think uh, that's the process that he's trying to figure it out. And it takes time. And one of the things you mentioned earlier was just, you know, dealing with your ankle injury was something that you dealt with through the latter part of your career. And you've, you know, been grinding over the past few years to recover from that you know, what's kind of the latest with your process on that? And are you still kind of eyeing a basketball comeback? Yes. Uh, well, uh, you know, I was hired by the Erie Bayhawks as an associate mm-hmm. head coach. I took the job. Uh, I just wanted to be around basketball. I, 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 you know, I, I think I think the whole franchise of the Pelican, New Orleans Pelicans, uh, you know, my son was born there. Uh, I love the city of New Orleans. They gave me an, a great hour a great opportunity and uh, I took the job uh, I felt good about it but uh, you know you guys know me I'm competitive I, I wanted to do a great job and I thought I was able to but I wasn't really healthy enough and and uh, it was hard to to continue with the job because as a coach you have to stand up a lot you have to walk a lot you have to watch a lot of film and do a lot of different things that sometimes players don't know they don't know so that excuse me, that little taste of uh, going through a coaching career, it really helped me appreciate what coaches do because they do a lot. So I was doing a, a, my job, which is a lot, and then I had a lot of fun, but uh, at the end of the day, it was, it was hard. My ankle was swollen. I, was, I wasn't really able to walk properly. So I was like, well, if I do a full year, maybe I'll – Summertime, I have surgery and do again. So this, uh, my problem is kind of serious, and now finally, I'm I'm making I'm making progress. Uh, I have surgery in November in Italy with the best uh, ankle uh, doctor that I know in the whole world. Because uh, trust me, I searched. I went around the whole world, and then uh, it was a great surgery. I was doing rehab there, and I had to come back to the United States because the whole pandemic. So I continue my rehab here at my house. I have a physio with me and I do some work in my house and trying to stay in shape and then continue to um, make progress with my ankle. So I think in eight or 10 months, uh, I'll make a decision whether, you know, I retire officially or, or I try to play whether it's the NBA or any other league in the world. I just don't want to retire by, by, by an injury. So um, I think I'm going to be able to accomplish it. And, and I'm going to be able to do it. I just can guarantee that I just got to work. And then it takes a lot of work. And that's what I'm doing right now. So I think eventually go back to, I'm going to go back to Italy, Bologna. Uh, and I'm going to finish my cycle with my rehab there. And I will see what happens. You know, I, uh, I, I, I still believe I have a little chance because my game to play in the NBA. Uh, but if I decide to, decide to, be done with basketball, then I, you know, I, I like the coaching, the, 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 the scouting, the, obviously 
you want to be a GM, put a team together. Uh, but, uh, but, but who knows? You know, the opportunities always comes, and 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 the crazy things, uh, the crazy things about basketball is that you don't know. You know, when you will, when you build a great reputation, something else can come up, and you'll be like, wow. Really, you want me to coach this high school? But and I and and then they make you think. So as of right now, because uh, uh, the last three and a half years I've been traveling around the world dealing with my injury, I want to enjoy my family and I want to get another gig of playing basketball and see if I can do it. So based off what you just said, it seems like it would be a little bit down the road. But if the opportunity did arise at one point. Would you consider coming back and working for uh, Maryland basketball? No brainer, of course. Uh, I think uh, to me, like I say, and I want this to sound very respectful because I respect Coach Sturgeon and everyone, the whole coaching staff that is there. They're doing a great job. But if if the opportunity comes and I'm, I'm able to do it i'm not i don't i, I first i want to be prepared i don't want to go there unprepared because it's a big school uh, with a huge reputation and it's not easy to be coached surgeon and oh it's not easy to be a head coach or an assistant coach and, and, and do all the diligence so well when, when you think about me yes that that's a dream of mine eventually uh become a, a coach uh, from the University of Maryland and, and, and be able to compete and, and represent the school again, but now uh, in the coaching side. So uh, I wouldn't say it's going to be right now or in the next couple of years, but I think eventually if, if the opportunity comes, I, I think um, and when I feel ready, because I will, I will get ready to be ready, uh, I think I will take a job like that because I, I honestly I want my kids to go to Maryland and eventually I want I just want to move back to Maryland and and and, and raise my kids uh, in Maryland or around the DMV so I can be around my friends and the people that I basically grew up with and and I just love the whole atmosphere the whole vibe I, I love DC I love Virginia I love. Uh, Maryland is is cool to go to Baltimore as well downtown, but like it was it was it was a great experience. So I, I want to really go back. I don't know when, but if you ask me right now, of course it'll be a no brainer. I, I would love to work for the University of Maryland eventually, but as so of right now, uh, I do want to, you know, I, I want to get prepared and eventually, if the opportunity comes, I will take I will take a, a no brainer. I will take the chances of me. Uh, representing the University of Maryland again. So before we let you go, uh, we're just going to do some quick and rapid-fire question and answer. Uh, I'll start it off. Um, who were your, your basketball idols growing up? Growing up, uh, obviously Michael Jordan. Uh, I, I mean, I, I didn't watch his game closely, but everything, I uh, I read the story and I watched games and everything that he did. Uh, Kobe Bryant. Uh, to me, numero uno for me, and Mamba mentality, everything I did um, was about his mentality. Like, people appreciated him at the end because they thought he was arrogant. Ah, Mamba mentality was a, a style of life, of living. Kobe Bryant was a human being. Mamba mentality was something different. So I was into Mamba mentality, and I love Kobe as a human as well. So uh, Kobe's uh, numero uno. And a guy named Diego Guevara in Venezuela, 
He used to be a point guard, played for UNC, Charlotte. Uh, uh, he used to throw kisses when he played against Cincinnati. And uh, he was the only uh, student athlete married at that time. And everyone knew him. And, and he, that, that's the reason I wear number 21, uh, Diego Guevara. Uh, what is one Venezuelan dish that everyone should try? Arepas. Arepas. Arepa is like a corn, corn bread with, um, you know, you can cheese, uh, different, 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 I wouldn't say dishes, different, different size, uh, uh, cheese, uh, I like beans as well, um, ham, ham and cheese. Uh, so arepas is the, uh, is the, is what I eat the most, but it, our main dish is pabellón, which is meat, beans and rice and plantains. I don't think you guys know plantains. Yeah. Sounds sounds very good. Um, what would you say your the best or your favorite Maryland uniform was to wear? Ooh, you know what? I think I think all uniforms were unbelievable because I, when when Under Armour family, you know, turned, the Under Armour family, uh, Kevin Plain did an outstanding job with us. He really helped us and hooked us up with, with the gear and put us in the map with, in terms of like fashion. Uh, I'm into fashion. So to me, the gold uniform was something special to me. And uh, people people like, well, because we won a lot of games with that uniform. So sometimes I used to ask Gary, hey, let's just well, go, let's just wear gold. But when you when you go to a regular uh, uh, color, which is the red one, when you play home, I mean, we have different ones. And right now, I know they have more, and, and right now it's even better. And I have my jersey somewhere. My daughter used to like because I'm gonna put it in my office. So um, I think the gold uniform was to me uh, the best, and it was special as well. What was the biggest purchase you made uh, since playing in the NBA or while playing in the NBA? You know, uh, I haven't played almost in three and a half years, almost four. So I have to save my money. I'm not going to lie right now. Eventually, I'm going to have to start working again if you want to keep up with the status and, and the lifestyle. So but the biggest thing that I bought was, you know, now they talk about Richard Mealy and all that stuff. I was one of the first one buying a Richard Mealy back in those days. And um, it's a white Richard Mealy, white gloss. And then it was a special edition. It was only 75 watches uh, those in, in the world so limited and that uh, was cool because like i say came out came, grew up with nothing and all of a sudden i was able to to buy me a richard milley um and, and also for an investment as well so that was pretty cool uh what was your favorite nba team that you played for well <laughs> i love new orleans mm-hmm. but i think the well, wow, it was so much fun. I, I think the NBA as a whole is entertaining, and and those games at home were unbelievable. Then five years after they win a championship, and and it makes me feel special, even though that I wasn't on a, a active team that won a championship. But we built a foundation, a base. So Toronto was was cool. It was to me the favorite. When I got traded to Milwaukee, I was upset because I wanted to finish my career with Toronto. Um. What would you say your favorite um, opposing city or arena to play in was? NBA? Yeah, MB- well, NBA and college, if, if you will. Well, it's always good playing in the Staples Center. Uh, 
Madison Square Garden is just a different vibe when you're an NBA player. You go to New York, LA, like it's major cities, you know, Chicago. Uh, I always had great games in those three cities. And then college, I hated V Tech, Virginia Tech. I mean, I wanted to give it to them every time. So I remember one time I scored like 41 points and I was just letting, letting the whole audience know that, hey, stop, stop saying green card because now I do have a green card. At the time I have a visa, a student visa, but now I do have a green card. But, I, you know, it was it was cool. We competed. And then at the time, you know, I was resilient. I was to prove them that, hey, uh, don't mess with me. You can't mess with me like that. I, I'm pretty known in the ACC, so don't, don't, don't be, don't be telling me. Don't, don't give me any fool to to motivate myself. You know, don't put gas in my car because then I'm gonna do it right fast. So Virginia Ted, Duke always do always something special, and, and I think Duke and UNC because playing uh, the Dean Smith and playing uh, the uh, uh, in Duke. Uh, Duke, it was always uh, a dream of any student athlete. So you got to respect those two teams because that's a reality. Who was the toughest player you had to go up against in college? I would say Russell Westbrook. UCLA kicked us, kicked our butt. And we played, I think we played a tournament in Kansas. Uh, and he was, he was a problem. And then in the NBA to his day, uh, and he's so out of control at times and you don't know what he's going to do, but he's so smart and, he, and he's so active and his energy, unbelievable athlete, one of the best point guards of going to the, the more offensive rebounds. He gets a lot of offensive rebounds. So a lot of point guards have the tendency that just to watch the ball and he's jumping over you and, and getting defensive rebounds. So he's a, he's a really good rebounder. And it was hard to guard him. Like he was very, very tough. It still is. Uh, what about the toughest player to go up against in the NBA? Uh, well, I don't really play defense on him, but uh, played a lot of games against him. And, and LeBron is, is unbelievable. Like I talk about Jordan and. and Excuse me, and, and LeBron, you have to, we really do have to appreciate what LeBron is doing in nowadays because we're going to miss it. I, I don't care, six, nine, nine finals, only winning three and whatever, the gold, and then, oh, what he's doing for the league and for basketball, we have to be thankful and we have to appreciate what he's doing because uh, he's an unbelievable a talented player, but he's, he's a great human being as well. So to me, credit when credit is due. Uh, I think, yes, KD is super, superstar. Stephen Curry, uh, 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 a lot of great players, but LeBron is, is and look, and he's not my favorite player, but I think LeBron has to be respected and have to be put in, be on that conversation of, you know, being one of the best, probably the second best in the whole NBA. And eventually you're gonna to have to discuss whether he was the best of the history of the game. But what he's done to the game in nowadays when we have social media and what he's doing off the court with, with, with the school and the academics and everything that he support he's gonna do a space jam. He's, he's he's doing it all he's doing it all. I think he he's a smart businessman. He's a smart player. I, I think I love what he represents with his family, you know, his wife, his kids. I think that's what I would, like if I'm a college coach, like, hey, you, you're not going to the NBA to get money and, and, 
and, and go party. No, you go to make money and be able to help a family and get a family and have a family and support your family. So to me, uh, he sent the right signals, and, and that's what that's what great players uh, should do, and I think he does. All right, and we'll wrap it up with that. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. We really appreciate it. No, thank you, guys. Uh, thank you for your great. time. Love you guys. Love my turn. Love Maryland. Hopefully I see you guys soon uh, when I go there, when I go back.